Welcome to episode 132 of the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm Beth Below. Thank you so much for joining me. If this is your first time joining us, then welcome. I hope you stick around and enjoy this episode as well as many others. And if you're a repeat listener, I am super glad to have you back. You are definitely going to enjoy this conversation. As we jump into this episode, I want you to consider this quote from Carol Freulinger. Don't bargain yourself down before you get to the table. Let me share that one more time because it's really important. Don't bargain yourself down before you get to the table. How many of us as entrepreneurs who frequently find ourselves negotiating for a contract, vendor, partnership, or client proactively diminish our chances for success? We worry more about being reactive, for instance, about saying the wrong thing or not standing our ground when we're asked to do more for less. Negotiations can definitely go south if we go on the defensive in the moment, but so often we lower the bar even before the first conversation takes place, even before we know who we're negotiating with. That lower bar happens when we set our value too low and don't give ourselves enough credit for our experience, our expertise, and our offerings. And the reasons we do this are many and are probably as varied as the people listening to this podcast. So even though there are lots of reasons, they all boil down to one thing, fear. It's fear of rejection, fear of judgment, fear of appearing arrogant because we're asking for too much. Fear of asking for what we want and being told yes, and fear of asking for what we want and being told no. The art of negotiation has so many dimensions that I knew within the first 10 minutes of this conversation that both the topic and the guest would need to come back on the podcast in the near future for more. After the interview, I'll share another quote to give you a final point for reflection, so stay with me. But for now, let me introduce you to my guest and get right to the conversation. Kwame Christian is a business lawyer and the founder of the American Negotiation Institute. He is passionate about teaching entrepreneurs and business professionals the art of negotiation so they can get better deals and advance their careers. He is regularly invited to give negotiation seminars and consults with individuals and companies to create and implement powerful negotiation strategies. He also hosts a podcast called Negotiation for Entrepreneurs, where he interviews successful entrepreneurs and shares powerful persuasion techniques. You'll find more information about how to connect with Kwame, as well as links to his Introvert Island book selections, in the episode show notes at theintrovertentrepreneur.com. Hi, Kwame. Welcome to the Introvert Entrepreneur Podcast. I am very much looking forward to this conversation about negotiation. Likewise. Thanks for having me. Well, what is making you smile today? So uh, if you can't tell from my voice, it is this interview with you. <laughs> so I've been, I've been a listener for a, a few months now, uh, ever since podcast movement. And oh, then, um, yeah. I, and so I was really hyped about uh, my experience there and I was looking for new information that I could gobble up. And so I uh, found your podcast and I've been really enjoying that. So it's really cool to kind of come full circle and, and now awesome. be a guest. Awesome. Thank you. And, and so you were at Podcast Movement. I know you have your own podcast. Um, what is that name, that podcast called? Yeah, the podcast is called Negotiation for Entrepreneurs. Perfect. And uh, I just started this April. 
Ex- well, congratulations. Thank you. It's it's a fun journey. And uh, and kudos to you for going to Podcast Nation so early. I've been doing it for like six years, and that was my first conference. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so you are going to be like so set up for success. That's great. Thanks. Well, um, to give our listeners some context before we jump into our conversation, I'd love to hear a little bit about where you feel like you fall on the introvert-extrovert spectrum, and how has that awareness influenced you as an entrepreneur? So last time I checked, it was um, I registered as a centrovert or ambivert, uh-huh. depending on which term, terminology you use. And um, I think the only reason I don't register as more introverted is because for business purposes, I know I need to be out and about and, uh, and networking. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, the realization has been really helpful because it's helped me to um, ration my energy uh, in a more intelligent way and allocate that energy in a way that's a little bit more intentional. And so I know that after a long conversation or a, um, or a presentation, I'm pretty much done for the day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, can, yeah. I just need to be by myself. And so now I can plan my day accordingly to still maximize productivity while uh, maintaining a decent energy level for what it is I need to do. Yeah. You raise such a great point about, uh, you know, I've had those days where it's like I did one thing and it was it was such an expenditure of energy. I feel like, okay, I should be done. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. I should be able to call it quits. And and uh, many times I allow myself to do that. And there's a there's a piece of that that we I think we need to learn how to do without feeling any shame or guilt about it. Like, oh, I right. should be doing, you know, I should be able to pick up and do five client calls after I've done a presentation, you know, because I've got five hours left in the day. Um, no. <laughs> no, no, it just doesn't work. And and the thing is, you might say, oh, I should be doing this. And I, for me, I just had to come to the realization. It's like, well, Kwame, even though you, quote, should be, you can't. So let's operate under that reality and move <laughs> yes. forward, forward accordingly. And so, yes. so now with scheduling, I actually schedule networking um, uh, presentations and networking events on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Mm-hmm. And then I leave Tuesdays and Thursdays as Kwame time where I can get yes. work done with focused attention. What a great um, way to set that up. How how much trial and error do you feel like you had to do to get to where you figured that piece out? Um, an embarrassing amount <laughs> of trial and error. <laughs> you know, it, and it just came with honesty. After a yeah. while, you, you see some people that you admire and you say, I want to be like them. But really, that's not the goal. You shouldn't want to be like somebody else. Your, your goal should be to take the positives and see where you can add it to your life. And then be honest with yourself. Do some introspection and see what works for you. Yeah. And um, once I... I confronted myself with that level of honesty. I, my productivity has gone up significantly because I'm operating in a way that that gels with my strengths. Yeah, absolutely. You're singing my song. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. How did you? How did you? You know, I found podcast movement um, to be a little bit overwhelming. Um, how many people would you say were there? I'm sometimes bad at guessing oh crowds. Like, oh, I think it was well over a thousand. I think so too. It, it was pretty intense. Um, how? You know, maybe using that as an example. How do you navigate those large types of events where there is something of an expectation that we get out there and, you know, meet people and shake hands and whatnot. Um, how, did, how did you balance that? Yeah. So the answer is with great difficulty, mm-hmm. if I'm being yeah. 100% honest. Sure. I, um, I realized quickly that the strength of podcast movement 
what yes the the content was phenomenal but the thing is the content is recorded so i could listen to that anytime the real strength uh, the real um our area of opportunity is in the relationships and so i realized that was one of those few situations where it's like you have no choice but to go all in and so i had a lot of long exhausting conversations but i i kind of thought of it as a workout and so typically when you when you work out you reach a point where you're like I can't do anymore but you can push through there are a few more reps that you can get and so I just thought of it like that it's just like Kwame give it one or two more conversations then go take a break in your car maybe take a 20 minute power nap and then come back for more and so I think I ate lunch by myself the majority of days just because I needed to recharge yes yeah. Yeah. Find those pockets of time where you can just take it for yourself um, exactly. to give yourself energy for, like you said, it, putting an emphasis on the relationship building. Love yep. it. Well, what um, you are the founder of the American Negotiation Institute. Yes. What inspired you to uh, start that business? So when I started it, I was uh, I had my own law firm for about a year and a half. So I was working almost exclusively with startups and entrepreneurs because that's where my passion is. I love entrepreneurship. So I knew regardless of what I did, I was going to start something. I just had that drive. And so um, I earlier this year, I just had some time to reflect on what I really enjoyed doing because interestingly enough, um, law isn't my passion. I first chose law because I did a dual degree with a master's of public policy and a law degree because I wanted to do politics. And um, now if you're paying a modicum of attention to the discourse in this year's election, you can see why I ran away from politics. (laughs) Absolutely. So I was like, okay, what, what do you like? And so it happened, it just so happened that Ohio State, my uh, my alma mater, their law school has the top ranked dispute resolution program in the country. And I didn't know that when I first uh, was accepted. And um, I took a negotiation class and I fell in love because the topic was interesting. My degree is in undergrad. Uh, sorry, my degree in undergrad was in psychology. Oh, yeah. And so um, for me, it was the the perfect blend between business and psychology um, in, in influencing people for business purposes. And then really the thing that hooked me with negotiation was the fact that after I went to class and learned some of these skills, I could come home and use them uh, with my wife to, <laughs> to get things that I want and diffuse situations. And yeah. so I, that's when it, when I realized that negotiation is really the most, one of the most powerful skills that we can have because it's one of the few business skills that has an equal amount of value, both at work and at home. Yeah. And so for me, I, uh, I just exposed myself to as much negotiation as possible. We, there was a negotiation competition, and my partner and I were fortunate enough to win that at Ohio State. And then we got to represent the school at regionals in Ottawa, Ontario. And then we won the regional competition. And then we went to New Orleans and got to represent the school at nationals and made the semifinals. Wow. And so I've been obsessed with it yeah. ever since. Well, I'm fascinated that there's a negotiation competition. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a big deal in law school. Actually, it's it's funny. Um, this year, we're, today, actually, I'm going to be judging the, the students in the negotiation competition. And the coach for this year asked me to come back as an assistant coach for the, these, uh, this team. So it's going to be really cool to, uh, 
to come back and <laughs> relive the glory days. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But on the other side of the table. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, how fun. Well, congratulations on that. And uh, boy, I'm going to have to Google negotiation competition. It's, right. There's, there's got to be some video out there somewhere because there's, oh, there there's someone to see. Yeah. And I bet we can learn a lot from it. So, you know, you share and, and clearly your passion is, is there that uh, most entrepreneurs don't know how to negotiate. Right. And it, it, what popped into my mind was, and this is the coach in me that's always uh, not wanting to make assumptions that shared definitions are, are there. Um, mm-hmm. Let's start out by defining negotiation, especially perhaps in an entrepreneurial context. Um, it might seem like there's an obvious definition, but if we don't know how to do it or even when it's called for, then we might not even be clear on exactly what it is or why it's important. So what is your definition of negotiation and the role it plays in entrepreneurship? Right. Um, so I'll give you a two-part definition. The first part I think is the most important for everybody to understand is that negotiation is a skill, not a talent. It's a mm. skill. And I say that because it, skills can be developed and, um, and learned. So whenever I tell the story about my negotiation competitions, I'm always quick to say that the reason I had that success wasn't because I have some innate skill or something like that. It was because I had a high level of intellectual curiosity mm-hmm. and I wanted to practice and I wanted to get better. And I think that's where entrepreneurs can really strive because negotiations are won and lost in the quiet times in preparation. And so that's where we as introvert entrepreneurs have that advantage. So my second part of the definition is um, when two people come together and have a conversation and one or more of the people in the conversation want something. And so when you take when you take it from that perspective, you realize that negotiation is everywhere. There is never there's never a situation where we can go more than 24 hours unless we're a hermit (laughs) without, (laughs) without negotiating. And I think that's important to to really have that broad definition because I, one of the first steps in becoming a better negotiator is recognition and recognizing the opportunities that we have to negotiate. And the first step in any negotiation is the ask, asking for what you want. And unfortunately, that's where the majority of negotiations end because the ask <laughs> is never made. Yes. So that is an important first step. And that's why I, I love that broad definition. Yeah. Well, that that leads beautifully to my next question, which is about entrepreneurs leaving money and opportunities on the table, Um, mostly because they don't ask. Um, Mm -hmm. But they also, you know, and therefore they never get that opportunity to negotiate. Um, So where do you most often see that happening and how can we avoid that fate? (laughs) Right. Well, I think it's important to understand, before getting into this question, it's important to understand the, the three goals that you can have in negotiation. So the first goal is the, the one that everybody likes to focus on, and that's to get more money, that, mm-hmm. because it sounds nice, you know? So yes, that is one of the goals, to try and get more, and I'll say value, not money. And uh, I'll come back to that, that term in, in the future. And then the second thing is to save more money, because... Uh, negotiation can be used offensively and defensively. Yeah, we want to get more money, but another way that we can increase our margins is by saving more money. So think about all the expenses that you have as an entrepreneur, and those are negotiable as well. And then the third part is to build relationships because, and this is an equally important part, because when it comes down to business, it's it's all about relationships, whether we want to admit it or not. And so with through the negotiation process, you can actually get more, save more, and strengthen the relationship at the same time. 
So it's um, there. There's huge opportunity for value in general, relationship value, and actual monetary value that we leave on the table. So here are some specific examples. Let's say, for instance, um, if we're making a pitch, and we have a pitch that we're giving to a potential client, and uh, we make the pitch, and they say, "Sure, that sounds great. Let's go." That usually should give you pause because there should be a little <laughs> yeah. bit of yeah. hesitation when it comes to your offer. Mm-hmm. And um, it's funny, I had Pat Flynn on uh, on the show a little bit ago, and he shared a story where he um, with, where he had it was his first blog, and this company said, "Hey, I want to advertise on your on your blog." And this is we know what Pat Flynn does, <laughs> you right. know, high level qual- content. Yeah. And um, he said, they said, "How much do you want per month?" And he said, um, fifty bucks." And they're like, "Absolutely, you got to <laughs> Yeah, no problem. <laughs> so that's usually a bad sign. Yes. Um, and so what I would suggest is try to be a little bit more aggressive with your pricing. And so there's a term in negotiation called anchoring. And anchoring is a psychological term whereby somebody asks for a little bit more than what they anticipate getting in order to um, set the reference point for the negotiation. And so the higher you start, the more likely you're going to start at a higher level. But the thing is you can't anchor um, in ineffectively because you lose credibility if you do it the wrong way. So for instance, if I have a consulting client and I say I would like one million dollars for this uh <laughs> for this Of course package, I would. <laughs> you know, it's like, um, okay, you're not you're not legit. Mm-hmm. But you want whenever the the test to see whether your anchor is legitimate is the because test. If you can finish the sentence, this is a fair offer because XYZ, then you you've created a legitimate an- anchor. And then what you do is you price for value. So every you, you need to list out everything that your client is getting, every ounce of value that you are providing for them, and come up with some kind of monetary value for that value that you're, that you're providing. And then if they balk at the price, then that's where the negotiation begins. If it's out of their budget, then you can have a conversation with them to discuss what kind of service offering you can provide that would give them the most bang for their buck. And then at the end of that conversation, you're most likely going to end up with a proposal, an accepted proposal that's significantly higher than your initial offer would have been otherwise. Yeah. It, it seems like this is the part that um, I know I have personally felt challenged by, that I have seen so many clients and colleagues challenged by, is this um, negotiating that exchange of value. And um, and I, I so appreciate that, that term anchoring. Um, mm-hmm. But, and sometimes what the biggest challenge is, is like, we don't know what the appropriate anchor is. Like we, we know clearly a million dollars is, you know, unless, <laughs> unless, you know, I mean, I'm sure for some people that is the, the reality, but, um, you know, for, for many of us, <laughs> that is not the, the playground that we're in, at least quite, not quite yet. Right. Um, so it's what we find is challenging is because money is also something that it, we're often not comfortable talking about with each other. Like how much do you charge? Mm-hmm. Um, how much do you get for a speaking engagement? Um, I, I feel like the, the lid is coming off of that a little bit more and more as, as time goes on, um, as people become a little bit more willing to be transparent about those things, but it's still a very um, sensitive subject. Um, any advice on 
how to figure out what that anchor is. You know, how much of it is based on your own um, knowledge, you know, like your own experience, and then how much is based on the market and what you know maybe your colleagues are doing. Right. It's, um, uh, let me start with an answer that I know you will not appreciate. <laughs> it comes from within? Is yeah, that it? <laughs> it's, it's an imprecise science. Yes, it is. Yeah, so it, uh, you have to consider your experience. You have to consider the market. have to consider the value and your unique value proposition. Because even though there are people who deliver similar services, nobody's you. So that's the first place to start. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be some kind of conglomeration of all of those things. At the end, you you come up with an offer. Uh, pricing almost looks like Frankenstein. You know, you come up with uh, different parts from different places. But the thing is, I think about clients, not in a patronizing way, but almost like children. You're, you're always going to be the adult in the room. And no matter what, if they're coming to you to play, you're going to know more about the industry relative to them. And so one of the rules in negotiation is the person who has the most information makes the first offer. And so it's really incumbent upon you to do your research. And this is, this is in my opinion, where introverts shine in negotiation. It's the preparation. Mm-hmm. And so you need to take the time and, and validate every number that you come up with. So when there is pushback, you could come back with an objective source and say, well, actually, according to Forbes, Consultants mm-hmm. typically charge blah 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 blah, right. and um, that's that's one thing that you want to keep in mind when you're coming up with backing up your claims. Mm-hmm. The goal is legitimate, objective criteria, and so you want to get um, facts and figures that are backed up by sources that are respected by all parties yeah. and are unbiased, because then it really makes your argument for you. It's like, well, you can argue with me, Kwame Christian, as much as you'd like. However, you can't you can't argue mm-hmm. with statistics. Mm-hmm. Oh, so, oh, but you can actually. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> you, you can you can try to argue with statistics. But, um, Some so, yeah, people and, try. And an example that I give is, for instance, with this interview. So it's probably going to take maybe half an hour or so of mm-hmm. my time. But like I said before the call started, I've been preparing for the last two hours. Yeah. For this conversation mm-hmm. and that's how I approach all of my negotiations the the conversation is one before the competition and so the example I give is um, Usain Bolt what how much how many months and years did that man practice and train for a nine-second race <laughs> yeah 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 great example yeah. So that's the same way we need to approach the negotiation. If we can validate our offer, that's going to do a lot of work for us. And in the preparation process, we also need to come up with options too. So if that doesn't work, what other options do we have? But I can get more into that later because I have a a step-by-step process that uh, targeted towards introverts that I can go Ooh, through. Okay. Well, it may, let's let's shift to that. But I have a quick question before we do that. Um, you know, sometimes I wonder if we do ourselves a disservice. One of the the tactics that I've used, I've seen colleagues use when negotiating fees, and some sometimes it often is happening over email. Like somebody emails you and says, "Hey, I'm interested in hiring you for X Y Z. What are your fees?" And they ask you that like right out the gate. And you know, you can read certain things into that, you know, but it still demands a response, you know, whether of some kind. What is your recommendation for how to approach that kind of direct question um, when when it's posed right out the gate? 
Right. Um, that it's tricky. It's always tricky because you never want to seem evasive. Mm-hmm. But what I would say is you need to control the conversation. And so if we're discussing by email and email really is the only option, mm-hmm. then what I would say, I would respond with a range and just say, listen, it could be anywhere between X and Y, but really I won't know unless we have a conversation and I can fully understand your needs. Yeah, It's important, honestly, to control the conversation. And, and the beautiful thing about being an introvert is that we can exercise complete control of a conversation without the person knowing. And um, <laughs> it's it's a beautiful thing. It's, it feels like a Jedi mind trick. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> and so the the way I describe it is, and actually I'll, I'll pose this question to you. If you have the choice, would you rather have your hand on the steering wheel or your foot on the gas or brake pedal? Uh, steering wheel. Yes, and why? <laughs> why? Um, yeah. Oh, that's what I can control. I mean, I don't know. You know, the the other one is about speed. I suppose if I'm mm-hmm. getting literal, the other and the other one is about the direction that you're headed. Exactly. And so that's that's my response to. I want to have my hand on the steering wheel. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how do I keep my hand on the proverbial steering wheel in a negotiation? And we mm-hmm. do that by asking open-ended questions. Yeah. And so in my negotiations, my goal is to keep the breakdown of communication somewhere between um, 70 30. So if they're talking 70% of the time mm-hmm. and I'm speaking 30% of the time, I know two things are happening. First thing is that I'm in control of the conversation because I'm asking questions. They're going where I want them to go. Mm-hmm. And then the second part is I'm getting more power relative to them because it's like the old adage says, knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. And if they are talking, they're not learning, but I am. Mm-hmm. And I guess there would be a third thing too. They feel like they're in control because they're talking when in reality it's me through these questions, who's controlling the direction of the conversation. Yeah. It's like leading questions in a way, and you're exactly you're, you're kind of excavating what you want <laughs> out exactly. of it. Yeah. Well, um, so yeah, so share with us. You said you had some some points specifically that introverts uh, can use for negotiation. Please, please share. Yes. So here's the thing about introverts. A lot of times, our hesitation with negotiation is is in the fact that we don't want to have these difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. We want to avoid them. And one of my favorite sayings is competence breeds confidence. Mm-hmm. And so how do we become more competent? We research, which is exactly where our strength lies. So the first step is to do as much research as you can on the industry and the person with whom you're negotiating. And so it's hard to know when you've done enough. So my test, <laughs> again, another inexact science here, is gather as much re- research and intelligence on the person that with whom you're negotiating as you would if you were trying to date that person. Mm-hmm. So I am talking, going deep on, on this. Yeah. And so here's an example. This is important because um, in one of my recent negotiations, I was doing that deep kind of research and then deep down in the archives of Google I found a record of about 15 different offenses ranging from burglary to menacing and all that stuff and so this I don't do criminal law I'm a business lawyer and so it changed completely my strategy I realized that I shouldn't he's not the person I need to be negotiating with 
I need to scare him into getting a lawyer so I can speak <laughs> to somebody else who, mm -hmm. who has a little bit more reason. Mm -hmm. So that's the first step, research, research, research. And so then the next part is, the next step is to figure out what you don't know and that will, let's start there. So figure out what you don't know. So there are gonna be some gaps in your understanding. And so this comes into part three, where once you understand what you don't know, you create a list of open-ended questions to figure out the answer to that gap in knowledge during the negotiation. And one of the hardest things to do in a negotiation, maybe it's easier for other people, but, but it's hard for me to do, is to come up with really high-level, open-ended questions that lead people down a logical path mm -hmm. off the fly. It's, it's tough. Yeah. It's really tough to do. And so for me, I come up with a list of questions for that I want to ask throughout the negotiation. And with with this section of this negotiation preparation, along with the rest of my preparation, my goal is to have significantly more research than is necessary. And I think of it this way. It's like if I'm an archer and I'm going to war, I'm not going to just bring one or two arrows and hope that does it. You know, I'm going to go to war with a full quiver and shoot as many arrows as I need, mm -hmm. but no more. You know, so I want to have them there just in case, understanding that most likely I won't use them. Yeah. So um, that's the next step. And then understanding your bottom line, know where you can't go. Set a goal for what you want to get, but also understand what your bottom line is. Because sometimes it feels like we'd be pushed too far and understanding your limits will help you feel a lot more comfortable. Because the thing is, I look at negotiation as the uh, art of deal discovery, not mm -hmm. the art of deal making. Yeah. So if the deal isn't there, don't force it to mm -hmm. your detriment. And, and that realization takes a lot of pressure off of you. Yeah, yeah. And it's so. it's really d doing a good service to both parties because it doesn't serve either if the fit is not right, like if you're trying exactly. to force something to work. And um, if I may take the liberty to add something that came up as you were talking, it's yeah. make, make sure you're negotiating with the right person. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know, I think about, you know, how much energy we have to expend to even have that conversation. And sometimes we're having it with the wrong person or we're not having it with the decision maker. And right. so to, you know, pretty quickly early on discern, am I talking to the right person? Yep. So that's huge. That's very important. Yeah. Very, very important. Well, I feel like um, I feel like at some point we're going to have to have a part two to this conversation because there's so much to cover, and uh, I, I'm I'm left with only more questions. <laughs> yeah, is... I would I would love to come back on honestly, and and like you as you can tell, I am a dispute resolution and negotiation nerd. Yeah, so I was going to say geek all day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, I yeah. love this. If if um, if your um, if your listeners would have me, if they if they want to ask questions, and then you yeah. can come up with another list. I'd, I would come on as many times as you want. Awesome. Well, I love that idea of putting it out there and saying, hey, what are your questions? Because I'm guessing we would get a lot of good ones. So thank you for that. And uh, we'll do. <laughs> My <laughs> so, pleasure. Well, um, I want to wrap up our conversation with a final question that I ask all of my guests. Yes. And that is, if you are granted a three-week vacation on Introvert Island, but you can only take three books with you, what would you take with you and why? I love this question. <laughs> um, the first book I would take is a book called Negotiation Genius. Um, for me, it was the most comprehensive negotiation book I've ever, I've ever read. 
And um, it, it actually, even though it, it introduced a lot of new ideas for me, it also allowed me to look at some of the old, my, my old understanding of negotiation from a different perspective, which is always valuable. Mm-hmm. So I would, start, I would start with that, and then I would bring the one thing, mm-hmm. as I'm sure a bunch yep. of other uh, guests have said, mm-hmm. <laughs> because uh, I've, I've realized that it's important for me to continue to do the exercises within that book in order to refocus me on what is giving me the biggest bang for my buck when it comes to getting my business where I wanted to go. And then um, the last one would be a book that I haven't read called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. And mm-hmm. so he was a, an FBI nego- hostage negotiator and has a lot more experience than me on, on the topic. And I've heard him interviewed on a number of other shows and I've just been blown away with some of his uh, techniques and it's it's funny, you know, the deeper you get into your material, sometimes you, you feel like, oh, after this book, I must know everything. Not the case. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, there's, there's always so, new stuff. So much more to learn. So I'd love to read his his material. Yeah. Well, I, I love your enthusiasm and your passion for this. It's it's uh, made me smile through the whole thing. <laughs> it's like contagious. Thank so thank you so much. Um, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about what you have to offer through the American Negotiation Institute? And especially you had to mention to me um, before we started talking that you have a boot camp coming up. So please share. Yeah. So in January, I'm going to be launching this uh, partnership boot camp. Because one of the things I've found in my time as practicing as an attorney and in, in go, getting deep with this negotiation stuff is that the people with whom we negotiate the most are the people closest to us. And so for us in business, oftentimes it's our business partners. And um, when you think about it, your the business partnership is a relationship second only to marriage. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's very deep, but a lot of times we don't know how to have those conversations. So I've created this partnership bootcamp because I've seen too many good businesses fail because of bad relationships, and it'll help people understand how to have that critical negotiation about equity up front, mm-hmm. um, expectations, roles and responsibilities, and discuss your own dispute resolution style, because those problems are going to happen in the future, so you might as well prepare for it and know, put these systems in place to have those conversations so the business doesn't suffer. Yeah. So they can get yeah. that through your website? Um, coming up, the beta is yeah. going to come in uh, January, but in Great. the meantime, you can uh, listen to the podcast because I'm going to be talking a lot about focusing on the partnership. And so actually, I forgot, I, I have freebies for you. Oh, yay. We yes. love freebies. Christmas in September. Yes, <laughs> so, yes. So the first freebie, um, if you go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash introvert, mm-hmm. I'll give you the guide. So it's an introvert's guide to negotiation preparation. Awesome. And so you could walk through that in, in order to prepare for your own personal negotiations. The second one, if you are interested in starting a partnership in the future, it's a guide to help you understand whether the person with whom you're partnering is the right one and how to make that determination. And if you've already made that decision, how to have effective communications with that person. So right. if you go to AmericanNegotiationInstitute.com slash partner. Um, you can get that free guide as well. Awesome. Oh, I love it. I'm yeah. going there myself right now. 
Nice. (laughs) Yes, definitely. So thank you, Kwame. It has been a true pleasure chatting with you. And I, and I do absolutely want to have a, a, an encore presentation of this, uh, of another conversation that uh, we can dig a little bit deeper into some other things. And, and I hope get some questions and uh, feedback from the community about what they would want to hear you chat about. So, yeah. And if if anybody wants to reach out to me personally, Uh um, they can just reach out to me on LinkedIn. Perfect. And they're like every other professional. <laughs> yes. So. And we will include um, a link to your LinkedIn profile as well as those um, freebies that you mentioned um, on our episode show notes. So Perfect. I hope everyone will go there and be in touch as well as your Introvert Island book selections. <laughs> thank you. So, <laughs> so thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I look forward to continuing the conversation. My pleasure. Thanks for the invite. I'm seriously going to have Kwame back in the near future because there's so much more to talk about. I especially want to focus on a point that's highlighted by my closing quote. But before sharing that quote, I want to invite you to celebrate with me. November 3rd is the first birthday of my latest book, The Introvert Entrepreneur, Amplify Your Strengths and Create Success on Your Own Terms. And that date is fast approaching. I'm really grateful to Patricia, who recently left a review on Amazon. She shared, the chapter on networking was especially beneficial. It has helped me become more intentional about attending events, and I learned that networking is about quality, not quantity. Patricia, thank you so much for sharing your experience of the book and letting others know what you valued about it. If you've read the book, I'd be really grateful if you would take a few minutes to leave an honest review. Share why you picked up the book, what resonated most with you, and who else might find value in it. And please, actually, consider doing this for any book that you have read recently. As an author, I can tell you, it's really helpful to hear how people are responding to our work. And it's extremely helpful to others who are trying to decide if a book is worth their investment of time and money. And if you haven't read my book, it's ready whenever you are. That's a great thing about books, right? They're learning on our own terms. I'll be giving away a few copies through Facebook and Goodreads in the coming weeks. So stay tuned for an opportunity to win your very own signed copy. And of course, you can purchase it as a softcover, ebook, or audiobook through Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million, your independent bookseller, and wherever fine books are sold. And now for that final negotiation quote. This comes from Harvey Robbins, who said, place a higher priority on discovering what a win looks like for the other person. The phrase win-win has become so ubiquitous that it's cliched, but that doesn't mean that it's any less powerful of an approach. It seems like Robbins is inviting us to take it a step further and to consider that if you win, I win. I see that as a bit different than the expression win-win. It might be a very subtle distinction, another splitting of hairs, which I sometimes like to do, but win-win implies equal priority on what a win looks like for each of us, and that will always be an effective way to go into a negotiation. Looking at it from the perspective, though, of you win, I win, puts the other person first, which in some odd way that's in my twisted mind anyway, it puts me into a position of power. And that's not power for evil, but power for good. 
I'm doing what lots of introverts love to do anyway, which is put the spotlight on someone else. By getting curious about what a win looks like for the other person and being part of making that win happen, then I end up getting what I want too, without feeling like it was a tug of war. Of course, that approach that you win, I win, assumes there's trust on both sides and that I'm aligned with the other person's agenda. And that might not always be the case. But it's still an invitation to come at the conversation from a place of curiosity. That way, by finding out what the other person would consider a win, you're putting more options on the table. They might say, for instance, that recognition is more important than money. And if you go in assuming a win for them is about money, then you're missing an opportunity to both save money and give them what they really want. It's not unlike one of Stephen Covey's seven habits. Seek first to understand, then be understood. I invite you to give it a try next time you're in a position to negotiate. You might be surprised at the results. If you enjoyed this episode, I invite you to share it with friends and colleagues and to take a moment to leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or on whichever platform you access it from. Just like the book review, your podcast review helps other people to discover this episode. And so I'm really appreciative of your um, consideration. A very special thank you to Paul Messing, my podcast producer, and to my assistant, Naja, for the program notes. And a very big thank you to you for spending this time with me. Upcoming episodes include conversations with Kat Rose, founder of The Creative Introvert, Steve Farber, author of The Radical Leap, and Catherine McKenzie-Smith, founder of The League of Extraordinary Introverts. I hope you'll join me. This is Beth Below of The Introvert Entrepreneur, and until we meet again, remember that success is an inside job. Thank you.